0: Aum the Amritam Tattajeevanam Kavibhiri Shāpaham Sravanamangalam Srimadātatam Bhuvigranantiyye Bhuridāja in the last class we were discussing that section of Srimad Bhagavatam where we find that the Sūta Goswami Sūta Ugrasravasa the son of Sūta Romaharsana has arrived in Naimisharanya where Shonaka, the sage Shonaka in association with other sages were performing some sacrifice. And as we have discussed in the last class, Shonaka was in Naimisharanya, being advised by Brahma that in the Kali Yuga to get rid of the effects of the Kali, of all the bad impressions of that Kali Yuga, He was advised to be in Naimisharanya. The word Naimisharanya itself means from where the Lord's vision is never taken away. He's always looking at it as if. So it's always having the grace of the divine. So he was advised by Brahma to be there. And that's what he was doing. He was performing some sacrifice in association with the other sages. And then we find the Suta Ugrasravasa who was one among the various Paramahamsas, various saints who attended the Prayopavasana of Parikshit, of the King Parikshit. The King Parikshit being cursed that in seven days he is going to die. He took his seat just by the side of the Ganges and he Just seeing him sitting there, uh, taking the vow of fasting unto death. Many sages there assembled and he was asking, Parikshit was asking all that in seven days, what can I do by which I can attain the highest good, the highest welfare, the highest purpose of life, which is possible in the human birth. So, everyone was perplexed. They never knew that in seven days, just in seven days, what type of sadhana can lead us to the ultimate perfection. And there we found that the Shukadeva, to whom the Bhagavatam was taught, so he is the one who is propounding the Bhagavatam, knowing very well that just by listening to it, it will purify the soul. Not only purify the soul, it will help him to develop such a devotion. Your mind will be absorbed with the Leela of the Divine. And with that, you can attain the highest attainment in life. There is the love of God. And that's how we find Parikshit was blessed by the great sage Shukadeva. By narrating the Bhagavatam, he blessed him. And indirectly, all the sages who were sitting there, they also were blessed by that wonderful exposition of the Bhagavatam done by Shukadeva. And now among them, this Ugrasravasa, he was the one who is Srutidhara. Srutidhara is the one who hears, memorizes everything, remembers everything just by hearing once. So Ugrasravasa, the son of Roma Harshana who preached all the other Puranas written by Vyasa, 18 Puranas, his son, Ugrasravasa, was destined to retell the entire Bhagavatam that he have heard from Shukadeva to all the Paramahamsas in Naimisharanya. And that's how the Bhagavatam will be propagated. Now when Shonaka and all the other sages invited Ugrasravasa, they asked six questions. The six famous questions today, we will take up that portion, where those six questions were asked to Shuta Ugrasravasa. Hearing that question, the retelling of the Bhagavatam starts. Ugrasravasa felt that as an answer to the six questions, he can do justice. uh, to those six questions by retelling the entire Bhagavatam. So the context in which the Bhagavatam was again retold so that it can uh, be spread among all in the human society. So that's the six questions which we will take up today. The six questions of Srimad Bhagavatam asked by the sages of Namisharanya to Suta, Ugrasravasa, Sutta So Sonaka and the other sages of Naimisharanya, they asked six questions to Suta Ugrasravasa. Now those questions are not only something which was asked to the sages. They are very important because they are highly conducive to even our spiritual welfare. Because it clarifies the purpose of the advent of an avatar, of a divine incarnation? What's the purpose of the coming down of the divine incarnation? Those six questions will clarify the purpose of the advent of the divine incarnation. So now let us try to have an overview of the questions first. We will refer to the exact slokas, but along with that, we will go, we will highlight the questions so that we can also uh, relate to the six questions specifically so that we can understand the context in which the Bhagavatam was narrated. So the first question was, what is the absolute ultimate good for everyone? What's the purpose of life? So in single answer, we can just if we read, go through the entire Bhagavatam, we will find the answer which has been given in the various chapters. The mainly these six questions have been answered in the second and the third book of Bhagavatam. The Bhagavatam consists of 12 parts, 12 books. Though the entire Bhagavatam is actually an answer to this, but specifically the answer was given in the second and the third book. And the answer that what's the purpose of life? In one sentence, if we go through the entire text, what we can say to develop pure love, to develop devotion, unconditional love for God. The absolute God. So that is the ulti- and that enters the ultimate good for everyone. So as previously also we have discussed we are not again going to repeat it today, that how by relating to that spiritual dimension of existence, we can really find the answers of life, which is otherwise not possible if we are trying to relate only to the sunset level of existence. We have to relate to the spiritual level of existence through love, through devotion, to really cope up with the struggles of life. And not only that, That can give us ultimate bliss and we find the purpose of life. We all want happiness. That ultimate happiness is possible only through the love of God. In short, we can say that why we find that the life questions have no answer? Because like any pessimist, we think them to be permanent. In our life, we find that suddenly our path has stopped. There's an adamantine wall or as if we are standing in front of a precipice. There's an infinite chasm that we cannot even proceed one more step. We all experience this life with all our so-called resources, worldly resources, which at one point of time, we were quite optimistic. We thought these, our degrees, our qualifications, our wealth is going to give me all in life. And we find we are in, and we are at the age of a precipice. We cannot move further. The life with all its problems, as Guru Maharaj used to say, "The world is a dog's curly tail; it never gets threatened, however you try." And that's what we find. And then, the the one that's, this gives us a pessimistic attitude that the problems are permanent, there is no way out, and it pervades my entire life that I see that there is no way out of it. They're all pervading, they're permanent. And the optimist thinks the problems to be something temporary and something local. How it happens? Here also, that the one who can relate to that spiritual dimension, immediately the life becomes something infinite, that we are passing through certain phase I am in eternal association, in companion with the divine. The divine is my eternal companion. He was, he is, he will be. I am, I was, I will be. And our eternal relationship is through love. That's how the devotee relates to the highest spiritual attainment. It says they never go beyond the duality, but still the question of limited existence, they immediately transcend. And that makes all the problems of life, something very, very local. It cannot pervade your entire existence. It's not permanent, it's just a passing phase. And the bliss which comes out of it can enable you to just simply transcend all the struggles of life. So that's how we find in the very first question, which was asked uh, by the sages, that what's the ultimate good for everyone? And by studying the Bhagavatam, we find the answer by developing that pure, unconditional love for the God, the absolute reality. Now the next question which ensues from that. Now if that is so, then what is the purpose of the various elaborate, time-consuming and intricate rituals and sacrifices described in the Vedas, the Karmakandas? That's what before the Bhagavatam was propounded, that's what the religion meant. There was elaborate sacrifices, that, an intricate, lot of details were there, lifelong days to do those practices. Then what are they meant for? If you just say it is the love for God. So that's the next question. Then, then what all others those karma meant for? And if they're there, is there anything which is the gist of all the Karmakandas? It's so confusing. That so many uh, rituals are there, sacrifices there. Am I going to perform them throughout my life? And then the answer which we find throughout the Bhagavatam which is given, is that why we do the sacrifice. Any sacrifice you take, what's the idea? That suppose, even nowadays, the remnant of those sacrifices you will find is interesting. That there is a drought. And suddenly, uh, some of the Vedic scholars will say, do such and such yajna, and there will be rain. There will be rain. So what's the basic idea? That by doing yajna, I am pleasing the god of rain, and he showers the rain. Now, who is the god of rain? This, all these various gods are the particular manifestation of the absolute. That was an idea in the Veda. So any sacrifice ultimately is to please the Lord. Isn't it? That was we have already studied in the 28th and the 29th sloka of the second chapter of the first part of the Bhagavatam. They are very wonderful, simple, direct, terse slokas. What are they? Vasudeva Para Veda. The ultimate goal of the entire Veda is the Lord. All those yajna sacrifices, ultimately, why I am doing? To please Him. Vasudeva Para Makha. All the sacrifices which are mentioned in the Vedas. Makha is the sacrifices. It is His the ultimate goal. Vasudeva Para Yoga. All the yogic practices, meditation, what I am doing? yoga itself the word itself means union i'm trying to get united with the divine vasudeva parakriya all the obligatory duties there are nitya karma apart from the sacrifices there are some nitya karma all those why i'm doing again to please the lord vasudeva param gyanam vasudeva par tapah param tapah vasudeva Parodharma vasudeva Paragati is my ultimate goal. So, isn't it true? Yes. The first question was to have love for God. The second question, then where does this yagya stand? Well, they are not in any way deviating from the answer for the first question. Ultimately, all those elaborate sacrifices you are doing to please the Lord. So, of course, all the activities your obligatory duties your sacrifices your other spiritual practices everything is meant to please the divine so now the next the third question that's this first uh, before going to the third question this question one and two as refer to the context we will refer to the sloka the sloka is the ninth sloka of the first part of the of the first chapter of the first part of bhagavatam What's that sloka? In that the first two questions has been asked Tatra, Tatra, Anjasa, Ayushman, Bhavata, Yat, Vinishchitam, Pumsam, Ekantat, Sreya, Tanna, Sangshitum, Arhasi. Tatra, Tatra, Anjasa. In a very easy way, understandable way. Oh, long lived one, oh, Ayushman, oh, the Sutra, this Ugrasravasa, he has been. Addressed as the long-lived one, oh Ayushman, you are a vast knowledge. Please explain, Samshitum, please explain in an easy understandable way, Anjasa, in an easy understandable way. What? What you have ascertained, what is your conviction, Vinishchitam, to be the absolute and ultimate good for the people in general? Pungsam ekantat Sreha. What is absolute good? so here the two questions have been asked that what's the ultimate goal that please let us let us know what you have you are convinced about and what's the gist which you have studied from the scriptures please let us know so these are the two questions we find in this slope that if lord loving the lord is the ultimate goal how it can relate to the elaborate rituals of the vedas well they are meant to develop that love then the third question which they ask, if that be so, then what is the need for the Lord's advent as Avatara, specifically as Sri Krishna? If the sacrifices are there through which I can relate to the Lord, then what was the what is the need for the Lord to come down? So here we find this is the third question they ask that why he has to come down? Because already the way has been chalked out. That elaborate sacrifices, the Vedas, which has came from the divine, you follow that, and with that you reach the through love you reach the your ultimate goal in life. That's your devotion for the Lord. Then why was the need for the Lord to come down as the Avatar, as Sri Krishna? That has been asked. That question we find in the twelfth sloka of the same chapter, the first. Chapter of the first part of Bhagavatam, Suta Janasi Bhadram Te Bhagavan Satvatang Patihi Devakyam Vasudevasya Jato Yasya Chikirshaya. Said, Oh Sutta Goswami, the Suta, that you know Janasi of for what purpose the personality of the Godhead Bhagavan Satvatang Patihi the personality of the Godhead appeared in the womb of Devaki, Devakyam vasudevasya Jato Yasya Chikirshaya. So please relate to that, that what is the purpose of the personality of the Godhead to take birth in the womb of Devaki as Sri Krishna. So here we find the context where the Bhagavatam comes to picture that as those sacrifices were very time consuming, elaborate and integrate. In Kali Yuga, as we have discussed earlier in the very introduction, that the biggest uh, irony of this age, that how the civilization developed, the entire civilization, human civilization, the what's the basic factor of the development of the human civilization? That it is the search for laser. That we were food gatherers, We used to every day go to the forest, collect food. We learned agriculture. A part of the year we had to endeavour, the remaining part of the year now we had laser. You have all your grains in your granary stock. So what to do with the laser? So at that time we find this so-called, the culture, the religion, everything is developing. Because people have the laser that as Sri Ramakrishna used to say, khali pete dharmohayana. When you are in search of your food, when your sustenance itself is your prime necessary, you can never think of anything else. There cannot be any religion in empty stomach. Now, when you have laser, now all this th- this thought for the religion, everything comes. Not only religion, All the culture, your music, art, everything came out of that laser. That's how the culture developed. And now we in search of more and more laser. Just think in the present modern civilization, how much laser we are supposed to have. We even don't have to do anything mechanically. You have the washing machine, you have the refrigerator, what not, the dryer, the dishwasher. With that, you are supposed to have laser and laser alone. Do we have laser? From morning, that's the biggest paradox of civilization. In our search of laser, at last we find in this Kali Yuga, from morning till evening, we are like slave working just to sustain ourselves. That's what Sri Ramakrishna meant when he said, Kolite Anno in Bhagavatam, in much later chapter, they say in Kali Yuga lifespan will be reduced. We say it's opposite; it's increasing. It's not the fact. Actually, uh, it has been mentioned in the Upanishads that human how much year, how many year he lives? Hundred years. Jiji Vishet satang shama. Yes, there was time where because of the pandemic many people died and that way the average lifespan was reduced. Now because of the medical science, the average lifespan has increased. Many people are living, but no one is crossing hundred or 120. That's the limit. You cannot go beyond that. But you will find again this this is the Yuga. It is mentioned in the Bhagavatam in the last, the Kali Yuga when it is in the at the, almost at the end. Human life won't be the age won't be more than twenty years. You will find in the last two years because of the pandemic, I was reading one uh, that news in USA already the average lifespan has reduced by two years in the last two years. It was seventy eight point something. It was seventy nine. It is now seventy seven. That what it's not that our lifespan is increasing. It is hundred or hundred twenty but more people have died because of the pandemic at much earlier age and that we're reducing the average. So that way in Kali Yuga, we find you can just even imagine that these all these type of infections, natural calamities are bound to increase because of the callousness which we have shown in the past 200 years in the name of advancement. And these are the things that is very difficult to get rid of the tsunami, the storms, the intensity with which they are coming, the frequency with which they are coming. As we have destroyed the flora and fauna, the viral infection is something which we cannot avoid. It is going to all the virus which has been shaken off from the flora and fauna is somehow mutating and is now finding their, us as their host. And it is a big challenge we don't know where still farther we are going to go and in bhagavatam we find is clearly mentioned that life is very short in kali yuga we are already getting an inkling of it so short life and that also that life is burdened by work in the search of leisure you have no leisure where can you how can you perform all those elaborate yagyas all those uh, intricate sacrifices there's no time no no time no no you don't have the resource so god says that in to get liberation in kali yuga is very easy just by loving the divine and that's why out of compassion incarnations all the idea of incarnations we find is in kali yuga the divine incarnates they are incarnating why that holding onto their life life the way it means, just you have what, what's the thing that your absorption because as they are Uttama sloka, this word will come again and again in the Bhagavata. That if you have to write a sloka, we are depicting the life of the Lord, it has to be Uttama, it has to be good because nothing in his life is something debasing. So, Krishna has been again and again addressed as the Uttama sloka. So, they come down, they leave a life. Of the, they perform these past times, the Leela, holding unto which we can rise up. So that's out of compassion. As That's why that's the purpose of the advent. Yes, there is no question of denying the efficacy of all those sacrifices. Some say Bhagavatam denies the efficacy. No, it is. They have their efficacy. But we in this Yuga, why the need of Bhagavatam? We need a path where because of all these hindrances, all these shortcomings, our lifespan has reduced, is going to reduce. We cannot think of performing those elaborate practices because throughout the day we are busy just for maintaining our sustenance with all our day-to-day activities. We have almost converted into slave. That's why they say that in Satya Yuga, it was that, uh, that only the Brahmins, The Brahmins uh, were there. And in Kali Yuga, it is the Shudras. You may say, how come the Brahmins are are there? Not No. Whatever, whether you are a professor, whether you are the chief minister, the prime minister, the president, or you are just working in some cafeteria uh, as just a dishwasher, whatever may be, you find that ultimately, you are almost totally churned out. There is no relaxation, no, uh, any laser for you. So we have all converted into Shudra. That has been mentioned, this is Kali Yuga. These are all Shudras. As per the way of life uh, uh, is concerned. So what's the way out? That through all our activities, if we can somehow keep our mind in the divine, and that also, how? Just by listening to the divine glories, contemplating on that, and uh, discussing on that and practicing the presence of the divine in all the activities which I'm doing. That's the way we can easily cleanse off our psyche and attain a state which is something uh, as good as uh, the psychic states attainable by all those elaborate sacrifices. So that's why out of compassion, the Lord came down. That's the answer which we'll be finding throughout the Bhagavatam. So you will find these questions are very nicely sequenced. So again, just say the first, what is the purpose of life? Loving God. If that's the thing, how can we relate to those elaborate sacrifices? Yes, they're all meant to please the Lord. And if that's so, then why again, there's a need for the Lord to incarnate Yes, in this yuga, this elaborate sacrifices almost has no meaning. I cannot do them. So Lord has came down just by relating to the past times of his life, of his lila. He comes down, performs the lila so that holding on to his lila, we can raise up. Because whenever I'm reading the life of the divine, whatever he's doing, is purifying. Not a single act is there which is going to debase you, is going to pollute your mind it's just going to cleanse so it, it's an easy way so that's the thing which for this, which uh, we will find the bhagavata will be describing we are just giving the answer here in short so that we can relate to those questions so what was the purpose of krishna this just so that we can hold on to him he comes down so that by holding on to his leela you we can ascend he descends so that we can ascend he's called avatar Avatara means to come down. avatarana. from the word Avatara, the word avatar can he comes down so that holding on to him, we can rise up. So from this, the next two questions obviously comes. If that's the soul, what are his divine sports? That he comes down, thus leads the life so that we can hold on to that life and rise up. The next question naturally comes, what are those divine sports? So that's when asked in the next question, so what divine sports were enacted by Sri Krishna? So that's being uh, that question is asked in the twentieth sloka of the first part of the first uh, of the first chapter of the first part of Bhagavatam. Kritavan Kila Karmani okay. Saha Ramena Keshava Martyani Bhagavan Guraha Kapata Kritavan Kila Karmani Saha Ramena. Keshava. Saharamina. Ra- Who is the Rama? Balarama. So all the actions which he has done. Kritavan. All the actions. Karmani. Sah- Along with Balarama. The Keshava came down. Krishna came down. And all the things which he has done. Along with Balarama. Atimartyani Bhagavan. Gudha Kapata Manusha. This is what Kapata Manusha is very important. He is Kapata Manusha. Kapata means one who is impersonating. That he is not deceitful. Krishna has been designated as Kapata Purusha in this sloka. Why? Because he appears as a human being. He is not a real human being. He is a god. So the Kapata Purusha literally means deceitful. But in that sense, it's not used here. That the Lord has impersonating as a human being. So Krishna, that's why has been designated as Kapata Purusha. So, Lord cannot be searched for. It is an ironical statement. So, but for ordinary beings, it is almost impossible to recognize the Lord. Even in the Bhagavad Gita, we find there's a sloka in the ninth chapter, the eleventh sloka of Bhagavata. Avajananti That that ordinary beings who are absorbed in ignorance, who are drowned in ignorance and blinded by the maya, they consider me to be just like any other human being. Just, we will find that there are, even when we read Bhagavatam, that the first thing, we the most people will say that Krishna is really deceitful. That in so many ways we will find we cannot relate to that life. Like our ordinary life, as if we just, as Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that if you eat uh, radish, you belch the smell of radish. So like like that, the Krishna's gopi leela, the Krishna's, uh, the way he's taking the strategy in the war and everything, we find that he's like an ordinary human being, resorting to all uh, tricks, resorting to all very... uh, Worldly ways of living; they don't understand the real purpose of that life. So it's, so, it's so 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 many times it happens that Sri Ramakrishna uh, was in Dakshineshwar, and uh, how many people did really understand him? Much later, when after the passing away of Ramakrishna, much later, in Udbodhan, the first general secretary of the Ramakrishna Order, Swami Sharadananda used to stay. One day a person came and told Swami Sharadananda that Swamiji, I came here to do Sadhu Sangha, just to have the company, just the holy company I came here. And Sharadananda told, do you think that holy company is that easy? When Ramakrishna was in Dakshineshwar, so many people, the, of, the those who were the temple's office workers, the cleaners, they were every day seeing Ramakrishna. They never understood. They thought him to be an ordinary human being. They thought him not even ordinary. He was a mad person. That's what they thought. So it's very difficult to recognize. So that's why, again, the grace is required. However, there's ordinary people never even recognize him. That we are so much engrossed in Maya. That's been mentioned in Gita. So that's why this uh, the term Kapata Purusha is very important. That Avajananti, it's very difficult to recognize him. He in such a nice way impersonates himself as an ordinary being. So when he descends as a human being, these deluded persons are unable to recognize him. They do not know the divinity of his personality as a supreme lord. So that's being mentioned. So that's why which without his grace, none can understand that he is the supreme being in human form. So that for that also the grace is required. And then only you can relate to that life. So that's, that's why the sages, the next question is that what all the divine sports the Krishna has that played that, that, that is hidden to the ordinary life, but please relate it to us. So that's the question. And not only as Krishna. So here we find Bhagavatam is all inclusive. It's not only the Krishna that God has incarnated as all other divine incarnations. So, what divine sports were enacted in other divine incarnations? That's the fifth question. So this athakhyahi Hare Dhiman Avatara Lila Vidadhata Swairamishwaram Atma So this, O wise one, O Dhiman, speak to us about that auspicious Lila avatars, all the various other incarnations of Hari of the Lord. So which he assumed by his Maya, Atma Maya. So there are two types of Maya. One is this Gunamaya and another is the Atma Maya. The Gunamaya is that which binds us. Why we are born? Because we are forced to be born. Our past karmas, our samskaras forces us to take birth in particular circumstances, in particular situation of life. That is the Gunamaya. This all the three gunas are as if that the resultant force of the three gunas is giving me the direction for the next life. But the Lord, when he descends, there is no ajnana. Then how, what's the factor for descending? He like an actor, he just with the help of yoga maya, with his own, with the help of his own maya, knowing very well, he comes down. So this Maya with the help of which he comes down has been designated as Atma Maya which we find in the question which has been asked that Leela Vidhata shwairam ishwaram asya Atma Maya. So that assuming his own Atma Maya for the purpose of the divine play he came down in so many forms. Please describe that all those the divine plays which he has enacted in all those incarnations. So that's the fifth question. So this Atma Maya has been defined very nicely in Sri Bhagavad Gita, that ajopi sanyavyayatma Bhutanam, ishvaropisan prakriting swam adhishthaya sambhavami atma Maya. That though I am that absolute imperishable uh, truth, but out of compassion, I... Just with the help of with the help of my own Maya, I assume the human form and come down so that people holding unto my this divine leela can rise up. So there are the two purpose of the divine play. One is with the passage of time we forget the values, the real values of the religion. So again, to establish the religion, the Lord comes. That's the external. That's not the main reason, that's just the external Karana. That the real, the Antaranga Karana, is, he comes down to enjoy the bliss of the association with the devotees. That Lord is all blissful. He comes down to enjoy the bliss by the, for, with the association of his devotees. So these are the two purposes for which he comes down. The first purpose is the external Just for the Dharma Pratishtha. There's a very nice, uh, interesting, funny story of Nasiruddin. That one day Nasiruddin uh, bought one uh, some, the real story is the duck. We can take that story that he brought some duck. And uh, why he bought that, uh, there was some guest. So he wanted to prepare some duck soup. So the neighbors came to know. That Nasiruddin has a guest and for the preparing of the duck soups, he has bought some duck. So the next day, when the guest that his friend has gone, some neighbor came and introduced himself. I am the friend of your friend. So Nasiruddin understood that he also wants to be treated. So he was treated. But the (coughs) the coming of the people never stopped. The next day, again, someone came. That I am the friend of the friend of your friend. Good. He also got some soup. And it continued for three, four days. And I'm the friend of the friend of the friend of your friend. (coughs) Nasruddin allowed them and he was in the dining table when they were seated. Nasruddin just kept a huge bowl of boiling water below the nose. And this person was really angry. Well, what is this? Is this the way you treat your guest? Well, what to do? Well, this is the soup of the soup of the soup of the soup of the duck, which the the, the friend of your friend of the friend of your friend has brought. So, that's what happens with the religion, you know, that it gradually gets diluted. And the avatar, that's why the Lord has to come, that all the things are in the scripture. But we are expert in philosophizing, not to follow the philosophy. That all the things which has been mentioned in the scripture, we somehow can make them some that as a support, as a reference for all the weaknesses which we have. And we say we are quite religious. And that's how the religion goes on getting diluted. And then again, the Lord has to come to establish it. So that's the one purpose. But that's not the main. As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that the elephant has the tusk but for chewing, it has some internal teeth, it is not visible. So what we see is that external task. But the real thing is that for which the avatara himself, as if nourishes, is by enjoying the bliss of its association with the divine. For that, so that's the purpose for which he comes. And that's the thing which actually will be related to the entire Bhagavatam. That's why the Bhagavatam is placed over the Bhagavad Gita. Bhagavad Gita speaks of the way we should lead the life, but that that exuberance of the divine love, that we find even lacking in the Bhagavad Gita. So that's the thing for which you have to resort to the Bhagavatam. And through these questions, they are indirectly asking for that. That what are those plays that God has played, that please relate, so that we can relate to the Lord through love. So that was the fifth question. The sixth question, the last question is very interesting. Now, Avatara comes, he just, uh, you know, the, um, uh, most of the people don't recognize him, but the inner circle, those who are with him, they enjoy that tremendous bliss. That in one of the slokas in Bhagavata, it is very nicely mentioned that at night, on the full moon night, when the reflection of the moon is in the river, Seeing the reflection of the moon, all the fish just starts playing with that reflection. And suddenly a speck of cloud comes and the moon is no more visible and the fish all just are bewildered. They are perplexed where our friend has gone. So Avatar comes, the inner inner circle devotees, they enjoy the bliss of association with the divine. But when he is gone, his, he leaves this abode, this physic, his physical abode, to go back to his eternal abode, holding on which the spirituality can thrive. So that's the sixth, last question. This question is something which is meant for all of us. So throughout the Bhagavatam, the Bhagavatam starts with that. Through on what? It Now the Lord, when he's not there, his words, his words are the thing just on which that we are thriving. So it is the scripture, the stream of the Bhagavatam. You have to resort when spirituality or dharma now takes resort to the scripture itself. So that's why the scripture is given so much of importance in all the religions, because that speaks of the Lord. The Bible speaks of Jesus. Quran speaks of the relate this all this. What is all the revelations which Muhammad is having? That's, that's all the revelations. That's the thing which Quran is writing. So all the scriptures actually speaks of the divine incarnations, relation to the divine. When they come down in this earth, the way they relate, the, the, the way they enact their life as a devotee, which, which we have to inculcate. That's the thing they are playing. So we have to resort into the scriptures that spirituality can thrive. So these answers are actually not given here. We just gave the answer as a gist, which will be given throughout the Bhagavatam so that we can relate to these questions. So now hearing these questions, the Ugrasavasa, what he thinks? That what answer shall I give to the sages? These six questions. Because he was a master in all the philosophies. He read the Sankhya, Yoga, Nyaya, Mimamsa, Vedanta, And we find that as per the eligibility of the various spiritual aspirants, their teachings are quite different because from various perspectives, when you're looking at the truth, it may appear so different. It's not actually different. A building, when you look from the east, we take a photo from the east. If you take a photo from the west, from the north, from the south, all the pictures will be different. The same building appears to be different when you're taking the picture from various directions so that's what speaks of the perspective in uh, when we translate darshana as philosophy it's a wrong translation it's actually not the real translation the word darshana darshana means to see this speaks of perspective that these are the various darshanas these are the various perspectives through which i'm looking at the truth and that's why they appear to be so different now these sages are asking something by that which is very easy to understand and we can hold on to. So now to speak of all these philosophies will be quite confusing, as has been told in Mahabharata, Veda Vivinna, Smritayo Vivinna, Naso Muni Yasya Matam Na Bhinnam. This is very interesting poetic way of saying you cannot be a Muni unless you propound something different from others. In university, if you are in research, if it is not unique. If you have nothing to say, if it's only cut and paste, it won't be considered as a research. So like that, the Muni, he has to be different from others to declare himself as Muni. So, unless he is, so now if you try to resort to all those things, it may be so confusing. So what's the way out? So now this Ugrasravasa is thinking that hey, he further thought very interesting that, that he has heard the Bhagavatam. What is the context? that? Vyasa when he found that even after writing the 18 Puranas, the Brahma Sutras, classifying the Vedas, after doing all those things he found he couldn't somehow motivate the people to the path of spirituality. And then only he wrote this Bhagavatam being advised by Narada. So this is the scripture for the present age. So that's the one reason. The other A rishi like Shukadeva, who was absorbed in the Nirvikalpa Samadhi, he was brought down by this by reciting this Bhagavatam, by relating to the love of the divine, and it is he who has preached it, and that also to whom to uh, Raja Parikshit, who just in seven days by hearing it attained the highest good in life. So it is that if it is having that efficacy it has a tremendous efficacy so to, as a response to the six questions now what he thinks that's thinking this the shuta told shonak and others what he told tatra kirtayato vipra vipra rishe bhuri tejasah aham adhyagamam tatra nivishta tat anugrahat sohangva sravay shyami yatha adhitam Yatha mati. This is the 44th sloka of the third chapter of the first part of Bhagavatam. That what it is saying? That O holy man, that I sitting at the feet of that great powerful sage, means Shukadeva, that Tejasha speaks of the power, that Rishi who is extremely powerful, he is a spiritual giant, that sitting... In his uh, beneath his feet and hearing to what he has narrated as he narrated these glorious accounts of the Lord he's just just praise this this, this the glories of the Lord I and he, I too happen to hear that by the grace of that great one by his grace I also Sohamva humble Shyami. I also heard that but a very interesting thing what's the thing? now I will narrate, but how humble he is saying that as far as my understanding would permit that what he told most probably as per the for the limitation of my understanding, maybe it's not that I will be represented in a proper way. But still, as you have asked that question, I will try to relate as far as I have understood. Yatha adhitam, yatha mati. So as far as my understanding would permit I will narrate this Bhagavatam. So this is the context in which we find the retelling of the Bhagavatam is, 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 being, is ensued, is, 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 is issuing. The Bhagavatam is narrated, is based on these six questions. So these six questions are highly significant for those who study, study the Bhagavatam. So that's how we find the story of Bhagavatam, now we'll start. And it will be re-narrated by Ugrasravasa who has heard it from Shukadeva. So this is the portion which we took today. So now we will gradually enter into those episodes of Bhagavatam, which we find, we will find, as we have already mentioned, it's a very huge scripture. We cannot just take the entire thing sloka by sloka. We will take parts of it, which we find has a very, very, in what you say that high spiritual implication in our life. So these portions we will take and uh, we'll try to just uh, complete the Bhagavatam by taking by just resorting to those those few episodes. With this, we stop our discussion today. Namaskars, thank you.